great to be with you. I've been away uh, in a tanning salon for a few days. I <laughs> haven't really. I've been on the beach in Devon. And it's been lovely, but it's been great to be back with you. One of the joys of being a vicar is that you come back from holiday and you don't have to face those Monday morning blues. More often than not, you come back on a Sunday to work and I get to see your smiling faces. I get to see your smiling faces. Uh, I have been a Christian for about 12 years now and I, I've learned two, two things. Yeah. Let's get the laughter out of the way, the mockery, the giants and all that sort of stuff. Two things in 12 years. The first thing I've learned is that the kingdom of God is all about people. It's all about people. Church is all about people. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Look inside. There's all the people. I knew you guys would love that. I should probably try it on the mini church or something like that. I'd probably get a much better reception. It's all about people. And sometimes, you know, I don't like to admit it, but I don't handle people the way that I should do. I don't love people the way that I should do. I don't deal with people the way that I should do. And if that's you, if I've offended you in some way, forgive me. You know, I'm tired, I'm busy. I've got my own stuff going on. Sometimes I'm just not that compassionate. Some people, though, are compassionate people, right? If you've got a Bible, I would uh, urge you to pick it up. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. If you've got a church Bible, it's on page 974. Matthew chapter 9, we're at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There was a, uh, when we lived in Bristol, there was a lovely piece of um, graffiti on the, on the wall. Now, I'm not condoning graffiti as a good thing, but you know, in Bristol, it's kind of accepted because you've got all the Banksy stuff going on. So, and it said, the most important things in life are not things. And it got me to thinking about that. Most important things in life are not things. It's not the things that I do or the things that I have that are the most important things in life. I'm here to remind you this morning and to remind myself that the kingdom of God is as much as about other people as it is about me. There's a term you might have heard us use before. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. And it was one of the foundational things for Israel that they were being chosen as a royal people, as God's chosen people, to be a blessing to the rest of the world. And that is the same for us thousands of years later. We are blessed to be a blessing. And I guess I will keep saying that until God tells me that you guys have finally got it. So if my sermons seem incredibly boring and very repetitive, then it is all your own fault. <laughs> Nothing to do with my preparation. All your fault. 
kingdom of God revolves around people and how, how we love them, how we have compassion on them, how we respond to them and the kindness of God that flows through us to them. And it's clear from Jesus' ministry, you only have to pick up one of the Gospels. You will hear and read him spending time with people. Time and time again, he's with people. Yes, he went and found time on his own to be with his father, which energised him for the time with people. But he came back to people. And he spent time ministering to those who often were rejected by everyone else. Maybe you consider yourself one of those rejected people this morning. But I wonder if you know anyone with whom you can share that compassion of Christ with this morning. Maybe they are in the church. Perhaps you've already said hello to them. Maybe God's bringing to mind a neighbour, a friend, a work colleague, a whoever. Do you know anyone with whom you can share the compassion of Christ who thinks they are immoral, uh, unlovable? Now, the immoral people, right? He also spent time with those who were immoral. He spent time with prostitutes. Now, I say that Do you know any prostitutes you could spend time with in a kind of careful, considered way and not in a way that I want your wives or partners to come back to me next week and say, my husband said the vicar told him to go and spend time with a prostitute. Not in that kind of way, right? But do you know any people who would be considered immoral in our day that you can spend time with, showing them the compassion of Christ? We often hear about Jesus coming across sick people who need healing. Do you know anybody who needs healing right now? People that need praying for, that you can just simply offer a prayer to. The Bible really emphasises that Jesus ministered to hurting people as well, those that were hurting. How many of us are hurting right now, even just in this building? Do you know anybody who is hurting that you can show and offer the compassion of Christ? No one. No one is outside of the compassion of Christ. That means that no one is outside of the church. No one is outside of the church. People hurt. And the church, we, St. Saviour's, have a cure for their hurt. People hurt and we have a cure for their hurt. And when Jesus looks upon people, he doesn't just see sick and diseased and immoral and hurting people. He sees them with great worth. He sees them as God called them into being. Not as they are, but as they should be. And we are to do the same thing, to call people into that goodness that God has for them. We often see ourselves as sinners. We are saints. We are saints. Live in the truth that you are a saint, a child of God. Do not live in that lie that you are a sinner. Live in this full life that God has for you. Now, compassion. It can often be like a feeling, but I think that feeling just remains as pity if compassion doesn't move you to do something about it. Compassion has to have some sort of action involved. And I don't believe you can ever underestimate just one act of compassion in someone else's life. And I wonder, I'm sure many of you could testify to how Jesus' compassion has changed, transformed your own life. 
I wonder how many more lives we could see transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You know, I don't know of one instance where Jesus had compassion on someone and it left them for worse. It's a bit like what Rose said a few weeks ago about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, as we were like uh, working out whether Christianity was the faith for us. The fruit of the Spirit. Who doesn't want more love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control? Who doesn't want more of that? Who doesn't want someone to act with compassion towards them? Of course we all want more of that. And most of the times the scripture actually tells us that people responded in the most amazing way to Jesus' act of compassion. They responded by putting their trust and their faith in God and the God that we profess to follow. And Jesus is the one who shows us very dramatically what God's love is like. It is a forgiving, accepting, caring, merciful, kind, compassionate and transformative love. Prepare yourselves. You're not going to like this bit. The next bit I'm going to tell you, you won't like. But he told his disciples to go out and do what he did. And that should leave you a little bit uncomfortable. That kind of what would Jesus do that we might cheesily ask ourselves now. And uh, that's all right, but what would Jesus do? If you want to ask that in every situation, you'll have to think what it's like to remain single, be a Jewish carpenter in the Middle East, at the age of 30 become a homeless itinerant preacher and teacher and then die by crucifixion. I probably would suggest it's not always good to ask what would Jesus do. I wonder if there are any takers to act like Jesus to care enough about what God cares about, who God cares about, to take up the work that he is already doing. We can always act with the heart of Jesus. We can always act with compassion. At our community lunches a few weeks ago, um, I sat down with one chap um, who had been invited in through our food bank. And uh, he was telling me that he was... uh, He was struggling with uh, movement in his arm. And I felt prompted by God to pray for him, to offer to pray for him. And it's a strange thing when you offer to pray for people, they very rarely turn you down. So um, he said, yeah, that's fine, pray for me. So he couldn't actually move his arm above kind of this sort of thing here. So the heart that Jesus had put in me of compassion for this guy and knowing that actually the fact that his arm wasn't working properly wasn't right, moved me to action. So I prayed for him. A few weeks later, just a few weeks ago, I see him in the doctors. It's a weird experience seeing your parishioners in the doctors. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. No, you're not. You're in the doctors. (laughs) And I walked into the waiting room and this guy is sat there with the biggest smile on his face as he sees me walk in. And the first thing he does is, goes like that. Yeah, that applause goes all to him. Yeah, because all I did was be obedient to God in that moment. He said, pray for the guy. Okay, I'll do that for you. And God healed him. And he was astonished at what had happened in his life. You know people who are lonely 
and hurting and sick and diseased, invite them, pray for them, serve them. You know people who are just about all right. You can invite them too. We don't just have to invite and go and discover all the people that are sick and hurting and abandoned and lost. I'd quite like some normal people in here as well, particularly with the nuts staff team that I've got at the moment. I'd really welcome that. Invite some normal people along as well. After 12 years of being a Christian, the second thing I have learnt, if I could play drums, there would be a drum roll. Thank you. Here it is. God loves you. Sorry. That's it. I know you were thinking this fresh-faced guy who was going to bring you some new revelation about God this morning. But there it is. God loves you. How many times have you heard people say Jesus loves you? Lots. Lots and lots of times, I'm sure. Paul, um, one of the greatest writers of uh, Christian texts in the New Testament, he writes a letter to a church that he had planted. Uh, And he says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Why is it that when Paul talks about God's love, he's like hardly can contain himself. It's like a kid in a sweet factory. And yet for us, we're often more likely to yawn than we are to dance and skip in this reality that God loves you with a, God that is, uh, with a love that is high and wide and love and deep and wide and long. Why is that? I guess it's because we know it, but we don't really know it. Paul is not praying that God's people would know that God loves them, but that they would know God's love. There's a difference. Do you hear it? Do you feel it? If you know that God loves you, but you don't know his love, It's like knowing how water is structured, if you're a scientist, but never actually drinking water. It won't really help you. I chose the Matthew passage because when I uh, arrived here, when we arrived here, I was sat, I think we were on a sofa, and Claire was asking us a few questions. If you've been around for just under uh, two years, you may remember and um, I thought that the passage would be uh, an important passage for our church 
Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. I'll leave you to decide whether I was right. There's a great theologian called uh, Amy Ford. Have you ever heard of her? No? She comes to our evening service. She said this, the doors of the church are open not for the people to come in, but for the church to go out. Isn't that wonderful? Marvellous. If the church is going to do God's business, then it's going to take all of us. Everyone. Everyone giving, everyone serving, everyone praying, everyone inviting. I found a funny story. I found it funny, so you can laugh if you want to. I will be chuckling inside. A guy who prayed this prayer every morning. Lord, if you want me to witness to someone today, please give me a sign to show me who it is. One day he found himself on a bus when a big burly man sat next to him. The bus was nearly empty, but this guy sat next to our praying friend. The timid Christian anxiously waited for his stop so he could exit the bus. But before he could get very nervous about the the man next to him, the big guy burst into tears and began to weep. He then cried out with a loud voice, I need to be saved. I am a lost sinner and I need the Lord. Won't somebody tell me how to be saved? He turned to the Christian and pleaded, Can you show me how to be saved? The believer immediately bowed his head and prayed, Lord, is this a sign? Are you looking for a sign to start giving, serving, praying, inviting? This is your sign. This is it. Here it is. I am convinced that this is going to be a great season of harvest for St. Saviour's. I am convinced that we are on the verge of seeing radical transformation in people's lives. What is the mission field? You know, I sit often in Harrison Hall. Um, It's in Tesco's. It's a coffee shop in Tesco's. And those people that I've met in there, I've often told this to. I sit there and I watch the people And then I do a quick sum in my head, which says, there are more people in this shop in this very second than there are who know the love of Jesus through my church. And that drives me forward. And I sit there for maybe half an hour and I think, how many hundreds, thousands of people have come through these doors in Tesco's to buy food that will perish? And they're not coming through our doors or not meeting us as we go out through our doors. There are, I don't know, 15,000 people in Sumbria alone. Just look around you. There are 2,000 youth in churches in London, the whole of London. 2,000 young people alone. There are 3,000 young people in Sumbri. 8% of people go to church. 8% of people go to church. 92% of people are not hanging about in churches. 
we live in the, in the midst of a vast mission field. It's just outside our door. I know Ray was, Ray was Ray. I'm sorry, called you Ray. I don't know. Definitely married to a woman. She was chatting to a guy who had been stabbed through the heart just an hour ago. He was with his mum. He was going back into London to meet with the air ambulance people who had saved his life and the woman who had come in and prayed for him, for God to save his life. And he was going back there. It was a, one of those miracle moments. The mission field is just out there. The mission field is Sunbury. It is Ashford. It is Twickenham. It is Staines. It is Feltham. It is Hounslow. It is wherever you live. Wherever you are. Sometimes it's your own home. Wherever you go is the mission field because that's where people are. Wherever there are people is a mission field. But there's been one commandment that Jesus told his followers to keep that we have been particularly good at. And it's this, as he tells his three disciples, he says, see that you tell no one. And we've been quite good at that, not telling people. If you're quite new to Christianity, uh, we have this kind of symbol of the, the body and Christ being the head of the body and us representing the body, the church. So we've got different parts of us will play different parts in being the church, in taking Jesus' places. So if you've got that idea, do you agree that you are the body of Christ? Thank you. So are his arms reaching? Are his hands healing? Are his words teaching? And are his feet going? Is his love, which has transformed your heart, showing others that there is a way? We had that, um, somebody managed to find St. Teresa of Avila. Christ says, nobody but yours, no feet on earth but yours, but yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on the world. There are no missionary organisations being sent to Sunbury and Ashford and Feltham and Staines. God is sending you as his missionary organisation to those places. There is no one else who is going to act with compassion to show them the love of Christ but you and us let's just take a moment to pause and uh, pray